Welcome to the podcast of the Pilates Alliance of Australasia. PAA strives to continue promoting the expansion of the Pilates method as a professional and valued healthcare and fitness discipline. The goal of the PAA podcast is to explore the many facets and layers of the Pilates industry through conversations with the community. I'm your host, Bruce Hildebrand. Welcome to the show. In the lead up to the PAA conference in Melbourne in August this year, we have a series of short podcast episodes to introduce each of the workshop presenters. On today's episode, we have the privilege of introducing Kobe Jack. Despite always having been athletic, Kobe tended to be prone to injuries as a teenager, so as a 15-year-old, her physiotherapist introduced her to Pilates. Through this experience, Kobe grew to appreciate the beauty of the mind-body connections that Pilates encourages, and it led to her pursuing a physiotherapy degree and a concurrent apprenticeship in the Pilates method. Kobe has been combining these skills for over 20 years now, giving her a unique perspective on movement as therapy, and she loves sharing her passion for anatomy and biomechanics in the context of Pilates for rehabilitation. Kobe is passionate about information synthesis and knowledge translation and runs introductory and comprehensive Pilates training programs for healthcare professionals, rehab upskilling for Pilates instructors, and workshops on clinical Pilates for rehabilitation through her company Calibrate Pilates. Kobe's presentation at this year's PAA conference is titled Winding Up the Windless. Kobe, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Bruce. Kobe, could you give us a quick overview of your presentation that you have in store for us at the upcoming PAA conference? Absolutely. I'm giving a presentation on the windlass mechanism of the foot. And in this presentation, we're going to delve into how we can integrate and use this incredible biomechanical phenomenon to support our students in their Pilates practice. I really believe that knowing our anatomy and understanding biomechanics can help to deepen our own practice and facilitate our students to find connections in their own bodies. So this PAA workshop will start with a little anatomy biomechanics review, but we'll quickly move into some movement explorations as a class and then go through some specific exercises to practice how we can take advantage of the windlass mechanism for deeper foot, hip and core connections in the Pilates classroom. Sounds so fantastic. Can you give us a layman's version of what the windlass effect is and how it helps the mechanism of the foot? Basically, when we take a step, the big toe and all of the toes of the foot need to go into an extension and that creates a pulley or pulls on the bottom of the foot and that creates a rigid lever of the foot to allow us to propel ourselves forward. And when it does that, when we create this rigid lever of the foot, It allows us to find fuller hip extension, which allows us to find a more secure and quote unquote stable pelvis for gait. And I'm a little bit hesitant to use the word stability and instability around the pelvis. I know that can be taken out of context, but that in turn also helps us to connect into the core. I'm also hesitant to use pelvic floor. I think that gets thrown around in the Pilates world a little bit too much as well, but helps us to find that pelvic floor, transverses, multifidus, diaphragm connection. It's actually really integral to allowing us to find the interplay between the rigid lever of the foot, and that's what the wind lamps mechanism does, so that we can create the push off for gait. And then that allows us to soften the foot for swing through and landing. So it's really important functionally, and it can really be a game changer for a lot of students in the Pilates classroom. A bunch of things jump out for me there. Firstly, your rich experience, speaking of these beautiful connections up and down through the body, that for me speaks of years and years of analysis and understanding and exploration. The second thing is the contribution of the plantar fascia. We have many clients of the plantar fasciitis concerns, 
What I'm hearing is the tension that's developed in the plantar fascia is actually a critical part of this windless effect mechanism. Absolutely. And it is the plantar fascia that drives that windless mechanism because of where the plantar fascia inserts into the metatarsal phalangeal joints and the fascial connections into the phalanges themselves. So while the windlass mechanism is strongest at the big toe, it's important to find full toe extension through all of our toes. And it's a really important thing to be considering for those clients who have a plantar fasciitis. We often get stuck on working with the Achilles and releasing the calves, et cetera, rolling out the plantar fascia without looking at the mobility of the toes themselves, looking at the alignment of the toes and really that push-off because that push-off allows us to find hip extension and we really need to be making sure we're looking all the way up and down the chain. I think having a steeper understanding of the biomechanical contributions of the whole foot and how that connects us all the way up the chain into the pelvis can facilitate our ability to support our patients or clients if they do have plantar fascia problems, if they have ankle issues, if they have bunions, if they have clotos, hamatos, other things that we tend to see a lot. We're really good at working with the foot in the Pilates studio. So I think we can use this understanding of anatomy and biomechanics of this particular mechanism for so many presentations that we see coming through the Pilates studio on a daily basis. It's pretty exciting. I often say to students coming through our various programs that if you can be ahead of the game for your clients and be able to shine the light on things that they can work on, it really is empowering for them to leave the sessions much more educated and informed about how they can improve their bodies. Absolutely. And that's a key thing and a reason that while we will absolutely do anatomy or biomechanics review, I think it's really important to have that movement exploration component We need to be able to feel these connections in our body because that is one of the ways that allows us to teach. As teachers, we're not just there to direct, we're there to help our students explore and find this embodied movement. And that's one of the amazing things that I love about Pilates is it really encourages that. As you say, getting ahead of it, helping our students, helping our clients get that connection so that they can get out of there before they ever develop plantar fasciitis, hopefully. Fantastic objectives. The other thing that stands out is you talk about the rigidity of the foot, but also the softness and the shock absorption capabilities Uh of the foot. That's a huge part of what you're going to be talking about, I'd imagine, in your presentation. Absolutely. And I do think that it's something that we probably do miss a little bit in Pilates or with a lot of the footwork, we tend to hold a position of the foot and certain mat work exercises. We maybe work through plantar flexion, dorsiflexion, which is an ankle mobility component, but not necessarily that whole rear foot, forefoot and midfoot mobility, which encompasses pronation, supination, inversion, rotation of the phalanges, translation laterally, et cetera. Working with this concept of the windless mechanism as our foundation, we can start to talk about how that inversion, eversion and pronation, supination is an important part of allowing us to find heel strike and actually find shock absorption as we roll through the foot to find that push off, including the toe extension that winds up the windless mechanism, which creates that rigid foot for propulsion. And we get this really lovely flow through. Sounds so detailed. I get so excited. I'm like, oh, anatomy, let's get going. I promise there will be playtime as well. But I also promise that the more you understand your anatomy, mind mechanics, the more fun playtime is too. And I hear a little bit of Aussie in amongst your Canadian there. Kobe, can you tell us about your current location? And you will be joining us in Melbourne for this conference. Yeah, I live in Vancouver in Canada. I grew up in Perth left Perth at 17 and did some traveling, came back, did my physiotherapy training and a Pilates apprenticeship in Perth. 
and then left. Landed in a few places, but I've been in Vancouver for about nine years now. Kobe, can you share with us the background experience or the specific learning that you had yourself that was the catalyst to creating the content for this conference presentation? I've been teaching clinical Pilates courses for rehab practitioners formally for about five years. Informally, I was doing workshops for a long time. And I feel like every time I teach a course, I learn a little bit more about anatomy and learn a little bit more about my mechanics and I get a little bit more excited. The body is incredibly complex, which is what's so amazing about having the opportunity to work with it. We can't possibly learn everything in one go. So every time I get to teach, I get to review everything and go a little bit deeper into it. And over the past year, I've been really immersing myself more in the somatosensory system and exploring how we can work to affect changes in the motor system. I think we're really great as Pilates instructors using visualization and imagery and props and tactile feedback to help our students find awareness in their bodies. But I really want to try to move away from that a little bit and explore how we can invite the body to find its own connections. And that means that we have to create opportunities for the somatosensory system to take in that information so that it can translate it into a motor pattern. And the windlass mechanism is a biomechanical mechanism, which relies on pressure as well as other sensory receptors. Proprioception comes into it, et cetera. But it's not us pushing on the foot. It's not us giving visualizations. We can actually ask a particular movement to occur, which then gives somatosensory input into the body, which then gets translated back into rigidity of the foot, which improves that propulsion through gait, which includes improving hip range of motion, hip strength into hip extension, etc. The windlass mechanism is a way to start playing with this idea that we can step back as Pilates instructors and give the body information to be able to find its own intelligence and find those connections to movement. And I want to be able to do that with everything. I hear loud and clear the paying it forward gift that Joseph Pilates gave to us all, planting that seed that you just talked about. My interpretation of it is that's the only thing that could have possibly carried Pilates forward this far and this powerfully for so long is tapping into that somatosensory response and mechanism in our body as you talk about and articulate so beautifully. Absolutely. And as you say, it speaks to the enduring power of Pilates that we're continuing to see it. We're continuing to use it. I teach it particularly to rehab professionals because we need a better way to integrate movement and facilitate, in my case, patients to be able to actively inhabit their bodies and get back to doing what they want to do. I know the Pilates world knows that, but certainly I know in Australia, the physio Pilates world is a little bit closer married, but not so much here in Canada. So it's nice to sort of allow people to have that understanding and Pilates is a great way to play and shape that here. I had a similar experience. My early days of Pilates were in London and across mm -hmm. the UK, it was beginning to make its way into that symbiosis, that marriage between Pilates and physiotherapy. But when I returned back to Australia in the early 2000s, it was certainly off and running very much finding that connection. I think it's really important that both play an equal role in their marriage. It's important, I think, that one doesn't overshadow the other. Absolutely. And I'm a huge proponent of that. I teach rehab instructors, physios, chiropractors, athletic therapists, and I also teach Pilates instructors. And we are constantly talking about we have to work together. It's not a competition. 
because I have seen that competition come out a little bit, unfortunately, in certain places. But as you say, it's a marriage and a good marriage requires communication and requires working together. If we're going to continue this analogy, then our patients or our clients or our children of our marriage that we're both in the race to make sure that they succeed. Could you give us perhaps a quick insight, Kobe, about what you feel like one of the professions tries to get ahead of the others? Where do you feel like there's been a downfall in the past? I can only talk to my own experience in Australia. I did my physiotherapy training while I was doing a Pilates apprenticeship and finished my physio training. And they were like, all right, you've got the same job. We'll just pay you more. And I'm like, okay, well, that's not necessarily helpful because now we're doing clinical Pilates. We're charging people more and I'm taking jobs away from a Pilates instructor. I was so lucky I had the most incredible mentor and Pilates trainer. And I really didn't feel that I, as someone with four years of experience teaching Pilates and zero years at that point in time as a true physiotherapist should be taking clients away from him who was in my esteem an incredible instructor who had so much more to offer than I did at that stage. I like to think that I hopefully have a little more to offer now, but (laughs) it wasn't the case back then. And certainly here in Canada, I see a lot of people using this idea of clinical Pilates as a way to do Pilates for free using their insurance. And that doesn't jive with me. I very much teach that clinical Pilates is not Pilates for rehab. Pilates for rehab is the scope of Pilates instructors who are supporting their clients getting through injury management, returning to play, etc. But clinical Pilates is the way I teach it and the way I practice it. It's a tool that I use in my profession to help people find connections to their bodies. And if I don't have my hands on and I'm not using my diagnostic and therapeutic skills, then I refer back to a Pilates instructor because that person might still need movement facilitation and support and still need to continue their rehabilitation journey. But if they don't need my pathology background, my diagnostic background, if they don't need me to be doing manual therapy integrated within that, then that's when I'm essentially doing the job of a Pilates instructor for A, as I said, more money, which doesn't work financially for the client unless they're using their benefits. If they're using their benefits, I feel like they're rotting the system a little bit because they're not needing my professional expertise. And then, as I said, it takes a job away from a really experienced, qualified Pilates instructor who can do just as good a job as I can. If not better, to be honest. It's amazing to get your insights into that. And I can hear your leadership in how the partnership between Pilates and physiotherapy can continue to forge forward. Yeah. And I'm really passionate about this idea of scope of practice. I don't think scope of practice is something that limits us. I think that scope of practice is something that allows us to actually learn from and with each other. And I think my experience as physios, and I can't talk to other rehab professions. But I think we can get a little bit of scope creep sometimes and charge people for physio sessions when we're really working as fitness instructors or Pilates instructors, and that's not our job. And Kobe, for those considering coming along to your presentation at the conference, what will be the top couple of takeaway ideas and concepts from the session? We're going to go into the anatomy and biomechanics of the foot a little bit. We won't do too much of that, just enough to fall even more in love with the foot. 
definitely want people to be able to take away that if they were to teach a class an hour later the next day, that they had some movement explorations or some exercises that could immediately translate to their classes. So that might be a new way of looking at some of their exercises that they're already teaching. So we'll look at integrating this idea of the windlass mechanism on the mat, on the chair, on the reformer, on the trapeze table across the board with quote unquote old exercises, exercises that we know and love, and hopefully throw in some other ones in as well. I really want to make it practical so that people feel like there's something they can use the next day. That's always my aim and hopefully sneak in some anatomy and physiology and biomechanics learning in the middle there as well. It sounds like a wide range of application onto the different apparatus, both in and out of the studio. I love that skill to be able to educate your clients so they can translate it into their day-to-day life. Absolutely. Foot, knee, hip and core connections will be the big things. Understanding how the windlass mechanism feeds into hip range of motion and extensor strength, but also how it's important for resolving knee hyperextension issues and how it connects into helping us find thoracopelvic integration for optimizing diaphragmatic and pelvic floor diaphragm connections. There's lots to go over and we'll also have plenty of time for Q&A. Like many of the guests on this podcast series, it's very much a case of how do we jam all your wonderful life experience and professional experience (laughs) into a two-hour workshop. And that's what I think makes the conference such a rich pinnacle of information coming forward for the delegates. Absolutely. Kobe, we can't wait for your presentation coming up at the conference in Melbourne in August. It's been a pleasure chatting with you today. Thanks so much for your time and we look forward to seeing you at the live presentations in August. Thanks so much, Bruce. I look forward to meeting you in person. It's going to be great. There is a membership category for every Pilates enthusiast, where the Alliance provides a wide range of information, resources, and support for everything you want to know more of with Pilates. Help us expand the message of the PAA by sharing with your network of friends and colleagues today so that the Pilates community can continue to be a vibrant and inspiring network for everyone's benefit. You can become a member today by visiting the links in the show notes. For existing members, join us on the PAA Member Forum Facebook page where you'll find an ongoing supply of resources and conversations to continue supporting you and your participation and involvement in the many levels of Pilates here in Australia. The Pilates Alliance Australasia only exists because of the contributions of the Pilates community. If there's a topic or a conversation you would love to share on the podcast, then we'd love to hear from you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Pilates Alliance podcast. Please leave your comments on the Pilates Alliance Members Forum Facebook page. Remember, for anyone who is yet to become a member, we'd love to have you put your voice forward for the benefit of progressing Pilates here in Australia.